Well, we're going to start a brand new series of messages called guardrails this morning. And you all know what a guardrail is. You've seen them (laughs) day by day, day after day. Guardrails are a part of our life. And yet we don't pay a lot of attention to them. We see them, we, we know they're there, but we don't pay a lot of attention to guardrails. But you probably don't know the official definition of a guardrail, and this is what they say it is. A guardrail is a system designed to keep vehicles from straying into dangerous areas or off-limit areas. Well, there's a lot of common places that we see these guardrails. Bridges, commonly there. You know, bridges kind of get narrow, and if there was only a painted line there and no guardrail, it could be easy to go off that bridge. So we find guardrails on bridges. We find them in medians where you need protection from oncoming traffic. We find them in soft shoulders, at curves, where you may, if you got off the road a little bit, find yourself in some danger, a soft shoulder to pull you on into the ditch. And so bridges and medians and shoulders and curves, that's where they are. But there's something really interesting about the placement of those guardrails. You see, they are not placed in the areas of actual danger. They are placed just inside the area of danger, inside the danger zones. The actual danger zones are always just beyond the guardrail, just beyond. Now, we all appreciate guardrails. Nobody says, man, I sure wish they wouldn't put a guardrail on the side of a bridge. No, we'd like to have those guardrails that they give us some comfort and some direction and protection. We don't say, man, I sure wish they wouldn't put guardrails in the median on the 60 freeway going to Palm Springs. Amen? You've driven that? 60 freeway through the mountains to Palm Springs. Ever done it at nighttime? Yeah, we're not going to say, I wish they wouldn't have medians there to keep us protected from the oncoming traffic. You see, we all understand that there needs to be something in some of those places to protect us and direct us. Now, the assumption with a guardrail is that the damage done by hitting a guardrail would be way, way minor compared to what you would have hit if you had blown right through that guardrail or if that guardrail was not there. Well, in the next few weeks, we're going to talk about the areas of our lives where we desperately need some guardrails. Because the truth is, your greatest regret in your life, whether it's financial or moral, ethical, professional, could have probably been avoided if there would have been a a big old guardrail established in your life concerning that area. You could have avoided that. But if you would have placed a, a guardrail in that part of your life, you could have been avoiding getting stuck in the ditch or going off some major cliff had there been a guardrail there. So in the next few weeks, we're going to talk about how to use this guardrail here to represent a standard, a standard that needs to be put in place in your life to keep you in bounds, to keep you from speeding into dangerous areas or driving off into dangerous areas. So I want to begin, have you begin thinking about the standards that you are already so committed to, something that you will never do. You've you've put a standard in place that you just won't go past. 
Begin thinking about those standards. And think about them being like a guardrail. What are they? When you begin to scrape up against those standards, when you begin to bump into those standards, they stop you because they begin to hurt your conscience, your heart, your mind, your soul. Because you know that you're about to cross a standard that's way important for you to maintain. And yet you're about to to blow through them like blowing and busting through a guardrail. You're about to move into an area that's danger and disple- dangerous and displeasing to God. What are those standards that you say, I- I'm just not going to ever blow through, drive through, crash through? What are those standards? Now, you see, our culture doesn't pr- promote putting guardrails or standards in place in our lives. Instead, our culture promotes painted lines. <laughs> now, we see a lot of those all over the roads too, right? Painted lines. Our culture says things like this, drink responsibly. Okay, that's that's not a bad line to to paint on your heart, on your mind, but it's not a guardrail. Doesn't come close. It's, It's a painted line, but it's not a guardrail. It's like a little yellow line on the edge of the bridge. There's not a whole lot to hold you in bounds. It's like, hey, honey, Uh, We're drinking tonight, but we're drinking responsibly, aren't we? Well, maybe we're not. (laughs) Maybe we're not. We're we're probably going to cross that line, but you know what? I don't care. I don't care. And so suddenly you drive off this bridge past that painted line into this dangerous area called drunkenness. Our culture also says to teenagers, don't have sex until you're ready. Man, I can't even imagine how that conversation goes. Young guy, young gal out on a date, well, are you ready? She says, well, I I think so. Well, how soon do you think you'll be ready? She says, probably in about three weeks. He says, all right then, let's put it on the calendar. (laughs) Let's put it on the calendar. Let's do it in three weeks. Once again, that's like a little yellow line painted on a mountain road somewhere. It's not a guardrail that can protect you from driving off a serious cliff. Our culture says to parents, talk to your kids about drugs. And you should have a conversation with your kids about drugs, but that's not a guardrail. A simple conversation alone is like a yellow line on the road. It says, caution, on the other side of me, there could be some danger, but it's not a guardrail. I'm going to challenge you during the next few weeks to do something that many of us have done for years, and that is to put in place some standards, some strong guardrails that when you begin to bump up against them or your behaviors begin to bump up against them so that you'd get into dangerous areas and do things that would be displeasing to God, you are so jolted like you actually hit a guardrail, you are so jolted in your heart, your mind, your spirit, that it makes you correct your course immediately. We're going to talk about putting up strong standards, strong guardrails. The challenge this week comes from the book of Ephesians, where Paul is talking to his people who lived in a culture that was incredibly immoral. In fact, you can visit 
Ephesus today, where our scripture comes from, from Ephesians. You can visit Ephesus today and see the evidence of just how immoral that city was. In fact, what we would consider to be immoral, infidelity, adultery today, in our culture, loose as it is, was common in Ephesus. It was even accepted in the city of Ephesus. Because in that culture, having extramarital affairs and extramarital sex was a part of the religious experience of that city. It was way out there. So to that type of culture, Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 5, and he begins to list the areas where his followers are to be careful, where the followers of Jesus are to really be careful. And you can read that whole list in chapter 5, but at the end of the chapter... He gets more and more specific. Paul begins to get specific so that everybody that he's writing to can begin to avoid driving into ditches, begin to avoid going off of mountain cliffs, begin to avoid the danger zones so that everybody can stay in between the lines, in between the guardrails. And so in chapter 5, Ephesians chapter 5, beginning with verse 15, Paul writes, and God is speaking through Paul, and he says, be very careful then how you, here it is, live. Be careful how you live. Now, we all know what the word careful means. It means to be cautious, to be alert, to be watchful. But then there's this word then in there. Be very careful then. Because this verse Verse 15 follows a whole list of things that Paul was saying that Christians ought to do. Be honest, be people of integrity. And he gives them a whole list of things that they need to be doing as followers of Jesus. And then he writes verse 15 and he says, be very careful then how you live. And the Greek word for live means how you walk. Be very careful how you walk through this life. Every day, where you go, what you do what you head towards. Be very, very careful. Now, when I read this verse, (laughs) I have to be honest, something really gross comes to my mind. And it's something that I deal with every single week on my day off. Kind of gross. Some of you know that our house is on a corner, so we have a lawn that goes way up to the back of our property on the corner of the street. And every week, there are people and there are pets that walk by our house, and where there are people, there are pets, and where there are pets, there are little surprises left in my lawn. Things that when I'm mowing the lawn, I gotta be careful of. (laughs) I gotta be watchful, I gotta be alert. I've gotta walk very, very carefully, because there's areas of danger in my lawn. (laughs) People, if you got pets, pick up, come on. (laughs) Pick up after your pets. Now, as Paul writes this, he doesn't have dogs in mind, but what he's saying is as you live, as you walk through life, be very careful where you walk, how you walk, watch where you step, watch, watch. The Bible says this, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, that means not as being careless people, but as wise, in other words, having your wise eyes open, having a good godly perspective, 
Making the most of every opportunity. In other words, being intentional with how you use your time. So God's saying through Paul, because of the things that I have called you to do in life, because of the life that I've called you to live, as you live, be very careful then. Don't be careless. Don't be foolish. Pay attention to how you're living. Pay attention to how you're walking. Pay attention to to what you're doing with all of your opportunities, all of your free time that I give to you. And why? The verse goes on in verse 16. It says, because the days are evil. That's why you need to watch how you live then, because the days we live in are evil. They're dangerous times. And if you're not careful, if you are not paying attention, you just might drive across a painted line and into a danger zone. Now, I don't have to convince you how dangerous the days are that we live in. And because we live in a dangerous time, we've got to be very careful how we live and where we walk. In fact, the scripture continues on here, and the Bible says, therefore, do not be foolish, silly, or unwise, or stupid, Don't be foolish, but understand, face up to, accept, embrace what the Lord's will is for your life. Don't get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Folks, I want you to understand that God's will for you when it comes to your your money and marriage and dating and friendships and eating and drinking and the way you spend your time, He's got a will for you. And he wants you to understand that that will has some boundaries that you should not cross. And so he's saying to you, I want you to stop being foolish. I want you to stop playing games. I want you to understand what God's will is for your life. Face up to that. Accept his will. Embrace his will. Because living on the other side of this guardrail is not pretty. Living on the other side of a guardrail is dangerous. Living on the other side of a guardrail is not healthy. It could be hurtful. And it doesn't end well. It never ends well. You see, all of us tend to walk as close or drive as close as we can to the edge of disaster in some area of our lives. All of us see the yellow line. We see it there. But often we drive as close to the line as possible without crossing it. And yet you've seen it. I've seen it. I've really thought about doing it. When the traffic on the 91 is dead still and the carpool lane is going like this, and there's this this line, and you so badly want to cross that line. In fact, you even get close to it and thinking about it. And you're looking at everybody. How much longer is this line going to last? We, we want to we sometimes get really close to that yellow line. How close to sin can you get without sinning? Well, I didn't touch him. I didn't touch her. We, no, nothing's going on. That's not the question. The question is, when are you going to stop flirting with disaster? Stop flirting with the yellow line. You know, in your heart, what God wants you to do You already know in your heart what what God wants you to be. So stop flirting with disaster. Stop living so close to the line. 
And right here in verses 17 and 18, then Paul gives us one example of a line that we're not to cross. To not to cross. Now, those of you that know me really well know that this isn't a part of my life, but he says this here in the scripture. He says, do not get drunk on wine. And those of you that know me well know that I don't drink at all, ever. Never have, never will. And the reason I don't drink is because I was brought up in a home where there was no alcohol. My parents, they were party animals. My dad played in a dance band. They lived in dance halls back in those days, and, and, and they were partiers, and they drank. And when they came to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, they completely turned around, got rid of all of that stuff, and, and just said, no alcohol in our home. They gave it up. And I was taught about the dangers of alcohol from them and, and our pastors, and, and I saw the dangers of alcohol. As a pastor, I've been exposed to people that are drunk many, many times, and it's always been 100% negative. Negative. And I was called to be a pastor early in my life, and I made a commitment to never drink. And so the, the alcohol thing is, is not a part of my life. But beyond that... I have never had anyone ever say to me in 38 years of full-time pastoral ministry, Pastor, we had a troubled marriage. You, you know, our marriage was really troubled, but then we started to drink, and everything's good. <laughs> Nobody's ever said that to me. Pastor, our son was running away from God, but then our son started drinking alcohol, and you know what? He's serving God with all of his heart. <laughs> Nobody's ever said that. Instead, over the years, I've seen and heard just the opposite. Where alcohol is involved, things are not so great. The Bible says, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. How many of you have been debauched in your life? Come on, be honest. All right. Some debauchers here? <laughs> been drunk at some time in your life? Drunkenness leads to debauchery, but what in the world is that? What's debauchery? Paul's saying, Christian, don't get drunk. Christian, set a personal standard to not get drunk. Christian, put in place a guardrail to not get drunk. Because drunkenness leads to debauchery, which is indulging to the point of no control. When you get drunk, you lose control of yourself and you end up in a dangerous place. When you lose control, you can hurt yourself or someone else. And living a life of drunkenness, get this, is on the list in Galatians 5 of the things that will keep you from inheriting eternal life because it leads you into all things that are sinful and depraved and corrupt. The Bible says this in Galatians. Many of you know it well. The acts of the flesh are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambitions, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Everybody say, wow, with me. Wow. And we think our culture's getting so loose, and we've been the only culture that's dealt with this kind of stuff. This was written thousands of years ago. 
It's always been a, a problem for man. So Paul is saying, Christian, don't get drunk and hand control of your life over to alcohol. Christian, be very careful how you live and don't give control of your life over to alcohol because it leads to a loss of control that leads to some kind of sin that leads you then into some things that one day may end up being your greatest regret because you gave away control to alcohol. The Bible says this, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery, loss of control. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. So Paul is saying, guys, Christians, instead of being filled with wine, allow God to fill you with something far better, and that's his very own Spirit. Because what does the Holy Spirit do? He guides you away from all things that are sinful and dangerous. He warns you when you're getting too close to danger zones. He directs you toward things that are good and pure and right and holy and and pure. So Paul is saying, because of the things I've called you to do, because of the life I've called you to live, because of the life I promised you after you die, be very careful how you live. Don't be careless. Pay attention to how you're living, how you're walking, how you're doing with all of your opportunities. Why? Because the days you're living in are evil. They're immoral, just like they were in Ephesus. They are, they are sinful. And so if you're not very careful, you could really mess up. And not only now, but according to Galatians chapter 5, you could mess up your eternity if you're not careful. And now at this point in our message, you're saying, Pastor, you preached a whole long time, and I haven't got to fill in a blank yet. How long is this thing going? <laughs> write this down most of us don't plan to mess up our lives we don't plan to we don't we don't sit down and write out a plan calling here's how I'm going to ruin my life we don't sit down and do that write this down we don't intentionally plan to mess up our lives nobody has ever stood at the altar while saying his marriage vows And at the same time, in the back of his mind, he was saying, I can't wait to screw up this marriage. (laughs) I can't wait to mess up my marriage and make it the worst marriage ever. First, we're going to get into debt up to our eyeballs. Then we're going to have a whole bunch of kids to cause all kinds of stress in our life. And then I'm going to be unfaithful. I'm going to divorce this woman. I'm going to go on. Nobody stands at the altar and says, I'm going to really mess up my life. That's my plan. None of us intentionally plan to mess up our marriage or lives or body, but a lot of people have because they never really planned, get this, not to. They've never really planned not to mess up their lives. Write this down. Often we don't plan not to mess up our lives. We typically don't put in place any guardrail or any standard in an area where we are personally most tempted We just don't put those in place. You need a guardrail. But then write this down. Most of us don't install guardrails to protect our lives. We typically don't sit down and think through and pray through the places where we need to install a guardrail or a standard to protect us from the danger zones. Instead, write this. We expect God to protect us. (laughs) Folks, he's trying. (laughs) 
He's trying. He's trying to warn us. He's trying to guide us and direct us. But often we say, God, protect me as I go to the frat house tonight and drink and dance all night long. God, protect me. And instead of installing a guardrail that frat parties are off limits, areas of danger, instead you go and you expect God to protect you. And all is fine until you end up in a room with a guy you hardly know and you're raped. And we're hearing it all over the news today. It happens all the time. You need guardrails in your life. Write this down. We need to tell ourselves that we will be careful. But that's usually all we tell ourselves. Instead of installing a guardrail, we just tell ourselves, yeah, I'll be careful. But far often, we are not careful with how we're living, how we're walking. So God is saying to you and me today in his word, I want you to set standards. I want you to set boundaries. I want you to install some guardrails in your life. And so here's the bottom line for you and me today. As I've been talking, you've probably had something specific come to your mind. A specific area where you personally struggle. An area of danger where you need a guardrail. And you know that at times you walk way too close to the line. And you know you've never put up a guardrail to protect you. It could be the alcohol thing that that we're focusing on today. But it could be something completely different. But you know, you, you really know that you've been walking way too close to the line. You know that you need to back up and pound into the ground a guardrail to protect you from the danger zones. The question is, here's the piercing question I want to end with, where are you flirting with disaster? Let that sink into your heart today. Where am I flirting with disaster? Where Satan usually hit me the most? Where do I need to put a guardrail? So listen really close. No one has ever regretted installing a guardrail, ever. But there are so many people who now today look back and wish that they had. So right now, determine in your heart to install a guardrail in that area that you know, if I go past this line and I blow through that guardrail, I'm in trouble. Install a guardrail there, a standard that between you and the Lord, you just won't cross. And we're going to talk about some practical ways to do that in the weeks that come. But let's bow and let's make that commitment today. Would you pray this in your heart as I pray it? Father, as we begin this series, help me install a guardrail in my life that will direct me down the right road that will keep me on a road that's pleasing and acceptable to you, my Savior, and a guardrail that will protect me as I do my best to walk very carefully through this life. Father, we're on this journey. We're on this cross-country trip from this earth to the place that's our real home. And God, as we walk, as we drive, as we journey through this life, Help us to be very perceptive where we need to put those guardrails so that we can just stay on the path toward you. 
We pray in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen.